0: Well, what kind of signs do you look for? You look for God to show a sign. We have a couple scriptures today that talk about God showing us a sign. And as often happens when we get these snippets of scripture on a Sunday morning, it can be a little bit hard to remember, okay, who is where, and it's like jumping in into the middle of the story. So I'll give you just a little bit. I won't bore you with the whole history lesson, but let me give you a little bit of a background. I assume that most people know the story of the gospel and when Jesus was born, but go back to that Isaiah text, our first reading from the Hebrew scriptures. Isaiah was giving a message of God to King And King Ahaz had some problems on his hands. He was king of the southern kingdom of Israel. At that time, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. He was was king of the southern kingdom. To his north was the northern kingdom, and there's some other smaller kingdoms around. But then further north than that was the big kingdom guy, the bully on the playground, the Assyrian nation. And the Assyrians were stronger than everyone else. They, If they decided to, they probably could destroy everyone else. And spoiler alert, they eventually did destroy the southern kingdom of Israel. So King Ahab has to decide how his kingdom is going to live in balance with these other nations. And he had just learned that Two of the smaller kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and another one of the smaller kingdoms, had decided that they were going to band together and rebel against the Assyrians. The Assyrians, because they were the the bully on the playground, they made all the smaller kingdoms give them tribute, kind of protection money, because they could. And so some of the other smaller kingdoms were saying, we're not going to stand up for it anymore, we're going to band together together. And rebel, and they wanted King Ahaz to join. So he had to decide, am I going to do that? He could do that and risk really making the Assyrians angry. He could do nothing and kind of see what happens, or he could go to Assyria, tell them what's going on, pay them more money, and ask for their protection. So he's weighing all these difficult, bad, they're all bad choices from his perspective. And he wanted to know what to do. And so he asks his prophet, Isaiah, to get God's input. It's always a good idea, right? Maybe maybe let's hear what God has to say. And the message to Ahaz is ask for a sign. And Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to do that. Ahaz says, you know, it says in the book of Deuteronomy, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Ahaz says, see, it says right there, I, I should not be asking for a sign. That just makes the prophet Isaiah very annoyed with him because he knows Ahaz is not refusing to ask for a sign because he really cares about the book of Deuteronomy, because he doesn't want to ask for a sign. Ahaz is saying, essentially, look, I've got a kingdom to run here, and I need to focus. I'm wondering, a little bit from my own experience, was Ahaz more afraid and asking for a sign that he wouldn't get any sign from God? Or was he afraid that he would get a sign and he would have to do something? Because it can be scary when you ask God to show up in your life and do something. Ahaz seems to be avoiding it. Now, Although the world in which King Ahaz lived is very, very different from our modern world where you and I live, I think we have this in common with Ahaz in that many people also feel some trepidation, some nervousness, maybe outright fear or discomfort with asking God for a sign. Kind of. I know my, I have the same questions that I'm thinking maybe Ahabs asked, which is that what would be worse if we asked for a sign from God and we didn't get anything? Or if we asked for a sign and we did get one? But it wouldn't be what we wanted, right? Most of the time it seems strange to ask a sign from God because the way that we modern people think about God, typically God is pretty far away. And we don't think of God as giving a lot of signs anymore. We just have this idea of God as kind of a faraway God. There was a research project done several years back, and lots and lots of people, especially young people, were asked about their ideas about God and who God is. What is their faith? What does their faith look like? And it turned out that their faith was sur- surprisingly shallow. In fact, the researchers gave a name to the kind of faith that most of the people seem to have, and it was, they called it moralistic therapeutic deism. Mostly I say that because it's one of the fanciest phrases that I know, and I try to say it as often as I can. But it says exactly what their faith was, moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic because when they asked people what they thought God wanted, what is God's motivation in the creation of the world, most people would say something like, God wants us to be nice which is not technically false, right, but kind of a shallow answer. But that's what most people came up with. God wants us to be nice. And then when they were asked, well, what does God do? What's God's job in the world? Many people answered, when it boiled down to it, something along the lines of, well, when we feel bad, God helps us feel better. Got a toothache. Pray to God. Maybe God will help my toothache. I want to pass a test. Pretty God, maybe God will help me pass the test. That's When it came down to it, that's what most people talked about. And then the deism part, the last part of that phrase, deism is a kind of faith in which you believe God kind of set things up and then mostly checked out, as if God kind of wound up the universe like a clock and put it on a shelf, and mostly can set back and just watch the world go, and maybe every once in a while show up and you know fix your toothache or whatever, and then step back from the earth. Now, no one would probably actually describe their faith this way, but many people, when asked questions, that's about all that they could say about God, that God was kind of far away. God helps us maybe if we ask nicely and if we're nice to one another. The scriptures are full of all different kinds of rich stories about God and God's motivation and passion and doing these things, and, but that's mostly what people came up with. God wants us to be nice. Now, and it's not because people nowadays are just bad people. That's really the way that our modern society functions, the way that we are taught, kind of puts God in a Pretty narrow box. It's like we all have our own lanes that we're in, right? And we've got all these different, we've got our family lane here, and we've got our work lane maybe over here, and we've got our hobby lane maybe here, and God is just another lane, okay? So we're going to go to church and we're going to get in the God lane, and we have these lanes of our lives mostly separate because that's how we do everything in our lives. We separate them and we put them into categories. Ancient people really didn't put things into these different categories, but that's how we think. And so it's maybe no surprise that we've kind of put God in a box way out there, kind of far away from us a lot of the time. And I know that this kind of thinking affects me too because I grew up in this society like you all did. And even though I know better, I often get into that mode of thinking where God is just far away. And I've, you know, I've got my own kingdom to attend to. I gotta do my stuff, gotta worry about my lane and God takes care of the God lane over there. I think in many ways Ahaz also conceived of God as a far, away God, that God's lane was somewhere over there, and Ahaz was worried about this kingdom here in front of him. And so Isaiah tells him, fine, if you're not going to ask for a sign, God's just going to give you a sign. And I imagine when Ahaz thought of a sign, he probably thought it would be something big, like The stars, the the movements of the planet, because that's how we kind of pictured God, I bet. So I bet Ahaz was thinking, all right, if I'm going to get a sign from God, it's probably going to be up in the stars. And God would say, no, it's going to be closer than that. And Ahaz maybe said, well, maybe I'll look at the clouds and the, the weather and notice changes, and maybe that will be my sign. And God would say, no, I'm closer than that. Ahaz might think, well, maybe I'll look at the nations around me and what the other kingdoms are doing and figure out from what they're doing what God wants me to do. And God would say, closer than that. Maybe Ahaz thinks, well, maybe I need a new prophet then, a new person beside me to tell me the sign. And God says it's even closer than that. Isaiah tells Ahaz, this will be the sign. Look, a young woman has a child conceived within her. God is as close to you as a mother, as a child in its mother's womb. That's how close God has come to you. A child named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Not God is out there. Not God is over us or above us. God is with us. And of course, we hear those words again at Christmas with the birth of Jesus, also called Emmanuel, to be with us. Not above us or just around us or out there, not in a lane somewhere over there, maybe every once in a while fixing our toothache. God is with us. It's like, you know, in those horror movies when they say the call is coming from inside the house. God's sign is within us, calling to us. When I think about babies and the birth of the child, I inevitably think back to when my children were born, mostly because I can't remember when I was born. We all were born, but I can't remember when I was born. So I think about when my children were born, and the, the one of the things that I remember, especially when my first child, Henry, was born, that just the paradox. You know, there there seem to be two things that could not both be true, but yet were true at the same time. The first one was this, that this thing that was happening, the pregnancy and then the birth of a child, was the most incredible, miraculous thing that had ever happened to me. You know, and of course we read all the books that you're supposed to read until they didn't make sense, and we threw away all the books that you're supposed to read. And when it came time for the baby to be born, it was like, the place where we were, the hospital room where we were, became holy ground. You know, like you feel like you should take your shoes off to be there. Like uh, this, our plane of existence got real thin, and you feel like you're closer to God's plane of existence. It was just this incredible moment. Miraculous. Life-changing. And that's true. But at the same time, I remember thinking about how babies are born every day. Since Jesus was born and before I was born or my kids were born, literally billions of children have been born. Happens all the time. Since I've been talking, all kinds of babies have been born around the world. It's about the most mundane and boring thing ever, right? We have to wait four years for the Summer Olympics, but babies are just born all the time. It's. Boring, almost. And I remember thinking, how can it be true that this moment is this holy, incredible, miraculous moment, but also it's just something that has happened billions of times, and it happens every single day? How can it be both miraculous and just every day? Well, I know that you all have your own kingdoms to run, and you've got your own decisions to make. You've got your own lanes that you have to be in charge of, and especially this time of year, there's lots of stuff that you have to do. And so you could be forgiven for thinking that you don't really have time to stand around and look into the sky for signs from a faraway God. But I'm here to tell you, The call is coming from inside the house, not coming from some far away God over us. God is very near to us. God is with us. And God is coming to life, being born within, in you all the time. It's this miracle that happens every day as God comes to life in you, brings life from death with you and in you. And in fact, it happens so often that you may not even see it. You may not even notice it. It feels like an everyday thing that happens time after time again. But God with you is a miracle. And here's the scariest thing. And maybe this is what Ahaz was so afraid of. Maybe this is what Joseph was afraid of. When God is with you, this miracle is happening in you. It's not just for you. What God is doing in you is a miracle for the sake of the whole world. And God's presence, God's life from death happening in you is for others, which means that you are a miracle to those around you and are called to be one. What God is doing happens every day, but it's still a miracle. God's presence is with us to free us so that we can be forgiven, so that grace can come into our lives, and so that we can share that with one another. It's God's everyday miracle. Jesus Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen.